Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fire Escape. Hey, y'all. Rule. Rule, rule, rule. We are coming to you bodily again. True. Well, we're coming to you digitally, the listener, but we're coming, we are all together in, in body. one body. In body. One, one body, one spirit. Yeah. One mind. Yeah. True. In, yeah. We have trinified in all aspects of life. We are fully trinified. Howell is back from his sojourn to the southern United States. I did. Uh, I think that you, the last time we talked to you, you were still in, in Birmingham, have you, and then yeah. you, you moved on from there. I did. Correct. I have returned. I had my 40 days in the wilderness. Yep. Mm-hmm. I confronted mm-hmm. my demons. Um, and now I return. And it was very kind go. of you to throw Wonderful. palm leaves on the floor for me. <laughs> yes. On the streets of Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I walked back, walked in barefoot and broken. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> yeah, man, back from the south. Back from the south. Where were you? You were in Nashville. Yeah, I did. I had about eight days in Birmingham. That was great. And I sat there and just sort of worked away. Um, did, did the work. Did my works. Um, but got quite stuck. Uh, on the works and so then I uh, hung up my working hat momentarily and had a bit of other boring freelance business to get on with which I won't bore anyone else with but then I skipped up to Nashville I borrowed a car off uh, one Billy Longshore oh, yes, sir. Yeah. father of the Seabob the, uh, the Toyota the Toyota Avalon, Avalon. The my dad drives Toyota. a silver Toyota Avalon which is like the larger old man luxury version of a uh, of like a Camry, like mm-hmm. think a Buick but with Toyota badges. Oh yes. The thing I loved about it the most was like was the crinkly leather seats. You know, like old school leather, like the eighties leather. Yes. You know, <laughs> like those sort of starts to crinkle and it yep. looks like they're like the face of a small South American miner. Yeah. You know, like and uh, yes. <laughs> like yes, and yes. Um, and it's a sort of incredibly comforting. You know, and uh, but the thing I loved about it the most was that those cars in that era were made with the thing. It has next to the the um, the shift stick. It has the th- a little inbuilt thing to put your quarters in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for the when you for the meter, <laughs> for you know? the meter. That is a <laughs> you gotta pay the meter. That is a, being, a car feature I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, I literally was just like, whoever designed that must have really enjoyed that. Moment. It was a car yeah. feature that existed <laughs> in specific luxury cars for. I'm putting air quotes around luxury cars, but like Toyota <laughs> Avalons, your uh, your Buick LeSabers, your certain models of. Mercedes and BMW from like 1985 to 2005 because they were like you know what the 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 American executive needs he needs a, a good access to quarters nickels dimes and pennies <laughs> but it, it was yeah. another there stuff were three, too there were three slots yeah. there were three slots oh yeah quarters nickels and dimes but then, quarters yeah. and nickels and dimes in the in the Toyota Avalon yeah that way because you know you need you to, ain't never going to be caught out yeah you need to if you're if you're pulling up to a parking meter 
<laughs> oh, yeah. What are you going to do? Just be caught with the pants around your ankles and don't have change? And I'm just going to say that Billy Longshore's Toyota Avalon was very well stocked. I'm oh, saying, yeah. I'm saying it was cash heavy. He's always kept, <laughs> yeah. So heavy with if coin. You, if, you, if you see <laughs> his Avalon running out there. I was just about to say, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen one fully loaded, you know? Yeah. Oh, my dad has always, so my dad has had <laughs> that type of car for my entire life. Mm-hmm. He started out in like 19... Uh, he's also never bought a new car in his entire life. He's 66 yeah. years old. He started out in like 1985. He My bought a 1982 BMW 745. Mm-hmm. That one had cloth seats, but it did have the coin slots. Sure. Then he bought like a 90, like a 90 BMW. Uh, and then he, when he wrecked that one, he bought a. Uh, he also totals all these cars for the most part, sure. except for the the 80s BMW. He bought a different BMW, and then after that, oh nope, he did have a brief stint with a Toyota Highlander between the now third BMW and the Toyota Avalon. <laughs> a brief stint, yeah, a brief stint with a Toyota Highlander. But then he realized, you know what? This just it's too big. I need to go. Well, it's not too big. It's not. It's not long enough. It's not big in the right way. Yeah, it's not long enough, and it's too high off it's the not, ground. Yeah. I need to go back to a, a, a very long, long and low. Like slung. Yes. Yeah. My granddad, his father, <laughs> William Levi Longshore the Junior the Second, uh, he only leased Buick LeSabers my entire life, and they were always red roll tide. Yeah. Uh, they were always red for the tide, but like every three years, so he would just have like whatever. You know, he would go from like, oh, this is an 88 LeSabre to like a 91 to like a 94. Uh, Always the same. Wow. Yep. Yeah, dude, it was a very smooth ride. What can I say? Yeah. I was dry- and of course, the, oh. name, the name Avalon would suggest it was going to be smooth because Avalon, of course, is the lost veil. The, yeah. um, the Arthurian veil. Mm-hmm. In, in, um, veil being V-A-L-E, I mean, not as in yeah. the veil which one would cover oneself with. Yes. Um, but yeah, the veil of Avalon, of course, I think is the mystical place where maybe where King Arthur is, was born, in fact. Could be. I think Could so. Be the sunken which makes under. a lot of sense to me because when you sit inside the Toyota Avalon, you really do feel like you're in you're some, in sort, a of mythical some sort of mystic space. Yeah, true. Yeah, you're, sort of, you're so close to the floor, but you're driving so smooth. Yeah. It's, and a, also, it's got that cloud, like, pillow marshmallow and suspension. Yeah, and also, like, the, like King Arthur's Kingdom, of course, you're fully loaded with silver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like heavily weighted <laughs> with, you, with, with silver and When you come gold. across a, a bridge and a troll guardian, yeah. you can give him his yeah. shillings and haypence. Basically, what I'm saying is that in the, uh, in the Toyota Avalon, like the Mystic Avalon, you're, some, you're kind of... Psych- it's, um, what I'm trying to say is, is that Billy Longshore's Toyota Avalon is, is in itself a portal. Yeah. yeah. But when you're inside it, you know, you're fully loaded with silver, you're low slung. You, it's like you have the power of a dragon on the high winds. They're you're close to the road in the heat. And if you just... Look out of the out of the periphery of your vision, and if you're in like specific places where there's a little more crossover, you know where the like the portals are blending, you'll see the the coins change to like denarii oh, or yeah, yeah, like you yeah, know yeah, yeah. ancient uh, Florins. doubloons, yeah, florins, <laughs> yeah, uh, drachmi, or uh, like you know any type of uh, don't drop it to coin. Orange Beach, just yeah. turn it into pieces of eight yeah, immediately. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a balloons, con- it's, a, it's a consciousness expanding experience driving that Avalon, yeah, there. and mm. actually. You know, I mean, it's so fully loaded in terms of carrying treasure. I mean, like, there's a couple of times you park up the car in a few of the slightly sketchier neighborhoods in Birmingham or, or Nastyville, Nashville, you know, and you're mm-hmm. a bit like, is this car safe? There's yeah. so many quarters and dimes in the parking <laughs> yeah. slots here. Full Some of guy's going to be walking past being like, 
Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to what's get that? Fourteen fifty. What's that? Fourteen fifty. What's that? About seven dollar twenty five. <laughs> is that a is that a sweat towel on the in the in center console mm. right there? It's got my some heavy is, AC as well, man. man. Icy blasts. Oh, yeah. The heavy AC. Oh, it's yeah. not very subtle. You have like the low. When it's like it was on like ninety five out one day. Yeah. And you put it on the low one, and it just doesn't Ooh. have an effect. It's like you've got a little yeah. cool tickle around your ankles. Yeah. I need a bit more. You just put it onto the second, and it's like you're in an Arctic <laughs> blast. Like, right. And that's freezer mode But now. it makes you drive quick as well, because like, yeah. suddenly you're like, Arr! My dad drives in, like, like I like things to be cold, but my dad likes things to be, like, refrigerator temperature. Like, I, I like, will be in cars with him, and I'm just like, after about, it feels great for a little bit. And then, like... You know, if you're driving for a long period of time, like going to the beach, I'm like about yeah. two hours in. I'm like, I don't know. It's cold now. Like, yeah. it's this is this Need is a jacket. lot. But this, this is, is the challenge lot. of the South for any of our listeners from like who aren't from the Southern states, and obviously there's several of you out there who are. But like, the weird thing about being in the South in the heat, as you guys will know as well, but but for me, like as a European, is there's just literally no middle ground. Mm-hmm. No, there is no middle ground. Like you're outside, and it's like. For those of us in the listening in Europe, it's like 30... So when I was in Birmingham for the week, it was like weirdly, unseasonably early hot. Mm-hmm. It was peaking for the Brits amongst us listening or other Europeans. It was around 36 for like several days, which I think is like mid-90s, mm-hmm. you know, for the Americans listening. But, you know, you go out there and then it's also like coming off the tarmac and the concrete, oh, yeah. you know, and it's just mad hot, obviously hotter than in some spots than the actual temperature, I think, just in the air because of yeah. all the stone. But then you get inside anywhere and it's just like... Freezing cold. That's, oh, how yeah. we, that's how we keep stasis. Yeah, yep. but it's like there's no. It's so weird because there's just no temperate middle ground. So you go outside, you can hardly breathe, and you go in, and within five minutes you're shivering. Because or I am anyway. Some weird Northern European. Because my body's just so confused. It's like, what do you mean? There's no temperate climate. Yeah. What do you mean? There's, so, there's no m- mossy, foggy like wetness to be had. I mean, there's a lot of wetness sort of like oh, yeah. heat. Yeah. But I would get very confused. But I kind of feel temperature. like yeah, that's I feel right. like my body was in sort of these odd states of sort of. Well, confusion being one, but almost shock at times because it was mm-hmm. so hot. And then you walk in certain places. That's how we stay temperature ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alert at all yeah. times. Always ready for it to change to any temperature at any moment. Well, the tire to Avalon was probably the only place that actually felt like I got any equilibrium. That's so why I was just driving around the whole yeah. time and in the, uh, in, the, the in the liminal in the liminal space. Yes. There's a you could you know the because it's all gray inside it it is a it's a silver Avalon with uh, gray leather interior so it's about, oh, yes. it's monochromatic all throughout but the the center console being as bulky and gray it is you know it makes sense that it's an Avalon because that you could you could picture that being the stone that uh, yes, King Arthur's sword is bur- is buried betwixt betwixt yes betwixt I can believe that yeah. Mm. So there we are. I was in the south. Excellent. And I How ret- was Nashville? And I returned it. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself in Nashville, actually. Did you get any hot chicken? Um, do you know what? I didn't this time. I mm. did before, but I didn't. I stayed away from the hot chicken this time. But I was uh, healthy food was difficult to come by, I'll mm. say that, mm-hmm. in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything was very beige. Yeah. There was a lot of beige-colored food. I'm sure there's, I mean, you know, there's plenty of... Uh, I mean, the supermarkets, yeah, places yeah, yeah, that yeah. you could go to to get you Salads a, a salad, and juice, actually, juice. Weirdly not, I went to a lot of. I went to several hipstery coffee, coffee shops, you know, obviously as is my wont. Yeah, and um, uh, the frothy monkey. I That's went a to good the one yeah, in, frothy uh, monkey, the dose, the um, the sip cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, Never been to yeah. those. And uh, there like was the a, there that. was just an extensive variety of, of beigey baked goods to be found. Oh in yeah, in nearly yeah. all of them, you know. Well, that, that's that's to to be expected. From biscuits, a coffee shop, biscuits, you know? scones, and the like, you know. Scones, scones, the scone, scone. <laughs> little scone. Speaking um, of going to the south, we should. Uh, is is Welsh Fest happening this year? Welsh Fest is in is in March, man. Oh, we already missed it. 
Yeah. Uh, next year and actually talking we talked about this in previous episodes but I did meet some of course many other southern folks when I was there but I met a couple of people from Atlanta and I was regaling them with stories of Johnny's Hideaway and they did not know about Johnny's Ooh. Hideaway have we talked about Johnny's Hideaway before I don't think we've talked about it we no maybe a long maybe like a year or two ago <coughs> we talked about Johnny's Hideaway Pete I don't know Johnny's Hideaway listeners is a famed establishment in Buckhead mm-hmm. in Atlanta it's a sort of um it's hard to describe. It's like something out of the early 80s or the late 70s. It's yeah. like a sort of cocktail lounge with a... It has a dance floor. It has floor. a dance floor. It has one of the lit from the underfloor dance floors. <coughs> yeah. You know, like a checkerboard that's lit from beneath. It's like Saturday Night Fever yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Seriously. It's definitely I'm a definitely place... Never been it's there. definitely a place you go to... Like, so it's, it's a... Uh, I'm trying to think of like something in New York to compare it to. It's a little bit like the Jane Hotel, but the redneck version of that. All right, like yeah, yeah. kind of like no rules. Like there's probably lots of affairs that are yeah. happening there, and that yeah. was something that we witnessed. Yeah, there. we witnessed some of that. But yeah. it was like carpets on the walls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like weird cocktail tables with like little low slung lights on. It looks like something out of a Tarantino movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, but in a non-ironic way. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, just it's just janky. Yeah. Sort of like weirdly sweaty and opulent at the same time. Yes. You know, with lots of photos of like old soul and rockabilly stars on the wall and the odd movie star as well. For yeah, and there reason. was a bunch of like Frank Sinatra photos. Yeah, and stuff yeah, on yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. Like Dean that. Martin and yeah. stuff like that. And you get like weird cocktails that look like milkshakes. I know? think it probably used to be like a nightclub that was kind of hip and cool in like the 80s. It just never changed. And it just kind of stayed there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it kind of feels like. Anyway, but these people from Atlanta never heard of Johnny's Hideaway. And um, obviously, I didn't go there. But there's quite a few Johnny's Hideaway-esque spots in Nashville. I think it's a yeah. sort of... It has a sort of... Nashville has that slight sort of hole-in-the-wall feel to a lot of yeah. spots. And, um, which I really like. But uh, anyway, the Johnny's Hideaway story that we have... We might have told it before, but just a moment. I regaled people. I hadn't thought about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. But me and Colter went to Johnny's Hideaway when we were in Buckhead filming something, weren't we? Like, on our way to Welsh Fest that time, some years ago. Yes. I think yeah. this was pre-Welsh oh, was Fest. Pre-Welsh this was Fest, when yeah. you, fr- you learned about Welsh Fest. And yeah. I was over there doing a film shoot. And you needed to go over there to talk to, to the... Uh, to the Welsh ambassador. Welsh ambassador. And My the former... The daughter of the former preacher at uh, Oh, yeah, Street. yeah. Barbara yeah. Cross. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, so we went to Johnny's Hideaway, and we were sitting at the bar, and you can smoke inside as well, can't you, in, mm-hmm. in Georgia? So it was this sort of janky, people were drinking sort of weird-colored milkshake cocktails, and there were about five people at the bar, and it was dead. And we were just having a beer, just chortling at the, at the establishment itself. But we noticed that these two little cocktail tables by the flashing dance floor, and like the soundtrack was like you know, literally sort of like a late, seven, early 80s disco. Disco, yeah. You know, but it was completely dead. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was, um, you know, it was like, ba, 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 da, da, ba. you know, it was like really upbeat mm-hmm. and jolly, but everyone was like smoking Marlboro Reds and looking really miserable. And there was yeah. about four people in there. But there was um, at these two tables with these two very look- middle-aged looking dudes, weren't there? Mm-hmm. And these two very young women in their mm-hmm. probably early 20s. Yeah. Anyway, like I'm pretty naive about these things. I didn't think much of it apart from the fact that it looked like quite a sight, you know. And um, mm-hmm. And at some point, these two, these two couples of, let's say, men in their late 50s, I'd probably say, mid-50s, yeah, something so. like that, and these young women in their early 20s, make of that what you will, uh, got up and um, started jiving, dancing, grooving on said underlit disco dance floor in the yeah. empty Johnny, in the emptiness of Johnny's, the desolate. They were getting after it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were getting down to it, man. They couldn't resist the beat, you know. Um, and uh, they were getting down to it, jiving, kind of grooving on the dance floor in the empty wasteland of Johnny's Hardaway. Anyway, it was quite a scene. And I was being very, you know, touristy, obviously, my first time. I got my phone out. I filmed them dancing on the dance floor. Yeah. And within about 
five seconds, one of these guys, these men in their 50s, turned, saw me, turned around and walked right up to us. Didn't you see, Bob? Oh, yeah. And he memorably said to me, you filming me, boy? And I literally, I, I had to revert immediately to my classic escape clause mm-hmm. when I'm in America and I'm causing trouble, <laughs> which is to pretend to be Hugh Grant. Yeah. yeah. And it always works a treat. Yeah. You know, I turned into a very, very foolish. I'm terribly sorry, my good man. Oh, yes, I was. I mean, I literally said the phrase, I'm just a tourist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a tourist. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. It was an amazing scene. I'm just a tourist. I'm here on holiday with my good. And this guy just nodded really slowly. He, and he, then he stepped another step toward me, literally nose to nose. And he said really slowly, looking me right in the eye, he just went, I don't like that. And then while all this is going on, <laughs> I'm, I'm parsing out everything. And I look and I go, both of those dudes have wedding rings on. Mm-hmm. Neither of those girls have wedding rings uh-huh. on. I have deduced why he is upset. <laughs> yep. Sherlock, Sherlock Coulter. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, this this dude probably thought Howell was like a, a private, yeah, private investigator yep. or something like that. But then he obviously he was like, he's not a private investigator. He's Hugh Grant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I need not worry. Yeah. But I did say, I'll delete the, I'll delete the video. Don't worry about it. And he just nodded and like walked back to his slow groove on mm-hmm. the dance floor and we made tracks pretty swiftly in fact Seabob was just like we need to get out of here right now and I was like okay yeah. Um, yep. but yeah wild times Johnny's Hideaway in fact I would recommend that to any of our listeners you're heading into Atlanta Buckhead Johnny's Hideaway don't film random adulterous men in their mid 50s there yeah that's true I would recommend not doing that but otherwise you might have a great time yep man excellent yeah, Johnny's otherwise, Hideaway otherwise Johnny's Hideaway. it was pretty relaxing I stayed at my friends in Madsen and actually talking of old bars I went to I'm going to another shout out for anyone visiting East Nashville in Madsen Madison which is at the top of Gallatin so just beyond the sort of the main ring road it's mm-hmm. a neighbourhood up there but there was a bar there called D's which might be one of the best bars I've ever been to in my life and I don't I have a habit of exaggerating certain things but genuinely it was like off the scale great you Excellent. guys it would be the sort of place that you guys would you would go in and you'd be like I'm now going to move to a place yeah. within it walking distance bar. of this bar because yeah. this bar is so great it had two darts boards it had a pool table where it cost it literally cost 50 cents for a game of pool oh well, that's wonderful it had an incredible jukebox I mean like off the scale jukebox like one of the best jukeboxes I've ever seen yeah and it was six plays for a dollar oh yes yeah and it was you know the happy hour was like two for one and the happy hour was from like 5pm until 8pm Oh, that's you good. know, I mean, you know, an absolute madness, and you're going to get a cool, nice, natural light, you know, um, light beverage for. I think it was something bizarre, like two bucks or three bucks. I mean, it was just, you know, wonderful. I that's mean, it awesome. was it was a sort of ecstatic experience, you know. D's, I need D's. to check that out. Mm. Yeah, like no just D's. D's. I'm just saying that. Just no, D's. D's, as in D's, as in her place, a woman called D D E E. Yeah, D's. Yeah, yeah. And um, otherwise, so apart from that night in these, what did I do? I saw a bit of music, but I sat on the, I sat on a porch a lot. Ah, that's that's good. good. I saw the fireflies. I have a little moment, <laughs> mystical oh, moment. Yeah. I've never seen the fireflies. In the You've South never seen really? fireflies? Oh, oh man! Oh man! Latin books. 
Yeah, seriously, yeah, man, man. Go and catch you some lightning bugs. Yeah, I was really, I've got to say, I was like, I actually was like, well, it was a, I had a bit of a mystic moment. I was like, yeah, they're this the is best. Really beautiful. I can't yeah. believe I was, you spent that much time down there and never seen lightning bugs. Well, I've been always been in downtown Birmingham, which is like, yeah, there's not really concrete. lightning bugs down there. <laughs> yeah, you have to be in an area where there's like grass and I trees. But I bet your neighborhood like had them, Crestwood. Yeah, it did. Yeah. But yeah. we had grass. And, and I was always over at your place in the spring or the fall. I think. Yeah, there wouldn't be lightning bugs. Yeah, but it was the first time. We had this one night sitting on my It's a little porch. early. To s- I guess yeah. it was because it was it's extra crazy hot, hot. But yeah, like yeah. usually lightning bugs are maybe or like fireflies, etc. Or yeah. in like a July, but I just June, never July, seen it. August. It was like really ecstatic, actually. It was like sat on my friend's porch up in here. It's this really lovely little tiny little house. Really nice porch. So I was just out there playing guitar, having a drink at about midnight by myself, waiting for them to come home. And suddenly they just like all emerged. And like the, it was like the air was on fire. For some reason, uh, like you saying that you got really excited about that, I mean, like immediately puts in my mind that you're wearing like overalls and like a multicolored striped, like <laughs> horizontal striped shirt underneath that, with like a backwards baseball cap with a jar with holes in the top of it, running around trying to catch. Like, uh-huh. like you're like a five year old that I is was, that that's, was a, that's human, <laughs> si- <laughs> like adult human size, running around trying to catch fireflies into a jar. I did feel a bit like that. Yeah. Instead, I just wrote a song about it instead. Yeah. Which I'm not going to sing. But sing it now. Another day. Okay. One of my another finest day. hours, I think. Yeah, another day. Another day. Right. Yeah. There we go. Excellent. Yeah. Glad, Glad you know. enjoyed your time down yeah. there. I haven't been in Nashville in a long time. Nastyville. Nastyville. Not in a long time. Nasty, probably nasty Vegas. Six years, seven years since I've been there. Did you used to go there when you were a kid? All the time. Yeah, I mean, I, my whole family's from Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is 45 minutes south. And we lived in Lewisburg, which is about the same distance uh, for yeah, years. Semi recently. I think maybe on the way back from, I don't know, at some point in time, we dry, in, in a drive between New York and, mm-hmm. and uh, Alabama. I swung through. We swung through and hung out with my granddad. But then we also went through Nashville and hung out with old uh, uh, old pal Joseph and Lauren Dickey. Oh yeah, uh, they they live there. He plays with all sorts of legacy country acts as a bass player. Mm-hmm. Excellent studio musician, bass player, and most importantly played on the Moody's player. Goose record. Yeah, m- most importantly played on the Moody's Goose record. Moody's Goose listeners, bass. remember this is the band of uh, these two guys. They don't promote it enough. Seek yeah. them out. Well, yeah. it's the old the old bands. The Little Horses yeah. the, is oh, the current course, iteration. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're on Spotify as Moody's Goose. Aren't yeah. We are on Spotify yeah, as Moody's Goose. That's the only thing you can find. Dude. I got to uh, tell you, at the uh, speaking of Moody's Goose, it's just made me feel good that you know we went out to Moab with some friends to the uh, desert. Yeah, way out yeah. into the desert, and uh, there was a a lovely South African gentleman named Andres, and uh, nice South African. Yep, and uh, and he, we were out in the middle of nowhere, and he said something about. I think I was talking about we were doing a, a we're you know filming the whole thing and. Uh, and I talked about like this idea of wanting to do an entire score just with the harmonica. And he was like, Oh man. He was oh, like, oh. speaking of harmonica, he was like, oh, that cool man. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he was like, man, I, he's like that song. I love the harmonica part in that song. Oh, Susanna. And it was like this weird thing. Like we had never talked about Moody's goose and like, and I was just like, you found a Moody's Goose fan deep yeah. in the desert, basically. Well, desert. Neil, our buddy, had shown him the record. I just wasn't aware of it. Don't, um, no, no, no. That doesn't matter. That's, that's an irrelevant detail. <laughs> yeah. We had a fan, yeah, a dude. South African fan who currently lives in Denver. Yep. You were in Utah. Yep. Actually, I don't think our, our speaking of our fans, of our Fire Escape fans, uh, I don't think our escapers, escape artists, escapades, 
know about Escapades the. Do they know about the Escapades? Did, have we talked about it all that you went what? to Utah? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So I think that you just like dropped in, like you know, I yeah, went Pete to just casually, was just like yeah, yeah. I went to Utah. Well, I, well, it's one of those things. Y'all know me. I talk nonstop all the time, mm-hmm. and so everyone that I know is probably at this. I just assume everyone's tired of hearing about the thing whatever thing I've most recently done because I just like to talk about them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's like, you know. Luckily for us, I don't think anybody that we actually know or are friends with listens to this. What about... That's um, true. They get too much <laughs> of us in regular life. That's so. true. So you went to... Well, Utah, as in Utah is where the Mormons are at, right? That is. They are. Yes. Did you come uh, across any Mormons? Not that I know of. No bigamists? He was in nope. the, the, we know, were like like the middle of the desert. You went like walking through the desert and saw a man with three women training around behind him. I right. didn't. I mean, I could have. This is the part of Utah. This is the part of America that's like it's not like government. I, well, I don't even it's know who BLM owns the land. land. Yeah, BLM. So Board of Land Management. Oh, right, yeah, okay. it's it's the government owns the federal government owns this land, but it is. But it's not like a park. A hundred percent unregulated. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah someone yeah, shot just, a brick of tannerite out there, which is a massive explosive. Yeah, like it's just it's the wild west. You do whatever you want out there. Right. Um, it's just the well. Uh, we're, you know, I think maybe we're, maybe we'll shoot for next week. So our, our good friend Neil is coming to New York next week, who chauffeured me out there. And his I met Neil, haven't I? Didn't he come to New York back in the day? He came. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he came like you, three or three years ago. Yeah, doesn't he? You may have didn't met he him. Used to live in Fairhope. Yes. yes. Yeah, I met Neil. So he's Here coming next week. He has a great and moustache. I want yeah, to. Yeah, you definitely met Neil. Oh yeah. We <laughs> um, should put a photo of Neil's moustache up on the website. Does he still have the moustache? Oh, does he ever? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I just didn't know. I know you cut his hair. I didn't know if that's absolutely. Dude, I can remember. I just remember the moustache. I remember him being yeah, a nice dude. But I remember just strong. being like, "That is an incredible tash." Yeah. Um, but we'll keep the details on Moab, you know, short Semi-season. because I want to do. I want when Neil comes in town, I'd like us to do a, a thing where we kind of talk through all that stuff. Yeah. And our good pal, friend of the show, Henry Busby. Oh yeah, we Busby. got Henry photographer and uh, Busby and who videographer doesn't, doesn't doesn't like Britons. No, oh, yeah, yeah like definitely Britons. does not. Busby the Briton, as I like yeah. to call yeah. him, the Briton. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, listeners, if you want to hear about us driving trucks out through the middle of the desert for a few days you can and we'll talk about uh, that later yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably next week we get after yeah did you have like any like mystic experiences in the desert though did you um like, I, Jim, oh, like boy, Jim Morrison did in the doors like Van, like um, Val Kilmer did you um, dude it was one of those did things you walk across some deserty tops there were some things yeah. out there like you know I lived in Wyoming for a, you know three three four months or whatever stayed in Wyoming um I spent a lot of time in New Mexico and some time in Colorado and Montana and I've, I've seen the west pretty pretty good um but so like i thought i i thought i knew what to expect out of it but i'd never been to like this type of out west terrain like I've the canyon lands there, i've been in america five years i've never been west i've never it, been to the desert Ooh. it is something like I, I mean there is no way to overhype it i don't think like it's one of those things you look at like i still haven't seen the grand canyon but this was like a you know a, a miniature version of the grand canyon which is in no way miniature. It's absolutely massive and more expansive than you can. You literally you can't deal with it. Like you look at it. Like I would spend hours. I mean, over the course of three days. Yeah, your brain just can't absorb it, right? It's too yeah. Big, I mean, yeah. I, we climbed up on top of this big rock and we had you know full three hundred sixty degree. Well, the behind us, the cliffs were so tall you couldn't see that way. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at it and you just like your brain can't take it all in. It just it can't do it. Um, it's, yeah, it's a bit like like calling that the miniature version of the Grand Canyon is a bit like calling the Rocky Mountains the miniature version of the Himalayas. Like it's yeah. true, yeah. It just but it's like they're so they're all so big that it's just like yeah, the scale. Like once you get, I, mean, I think we were talking about it the other day. Once you get like 
again, like I'd seen that type of stuff, but Moab is, you know, or the desert outside of Moab, because I guess Moab's technically just a little town, but mm-hmm. the desert outside of Moab, whatever you want to call it, uh, Canyonlands, National Park, Arches, all that stuff, is, it's un- I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it can't be overhyped. I just don't think there's, you know, I haven't, like I said, I, w- I would love to see the Grand Canyon, but I have a, s- a suspicion that like I don't know that the Grand Canyon could be more impressive, even though it is bigger and it is more expansive and it is more everything. It's so big that but, it breaks your brain. Yeah, I just don't bit. think just you like, can take in like looking at Canyonlands. I was like, well, I can't take all this in anyways. So a bigger version of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, it's that thing, isn't it? When you get confronted by something a lot bigger than you, because it's like we. Oh yeah. You know, most of our lives now are very like sort of we're not exposed to that sort of enormity or so we don't we're not like nomadic creatures particularly much anymore are we yeah. I mean I don't want to sound too grandiose about it I mean obviously some people are but and the most say, part uh, the most part in the Howell West Howell John is a, is a bit of a nomadic creature I mean creature. I feel a bit no, yeah but, but not, in the, not in that way where do you know what I mean you're really getting to see expanse like we're yeah. organized yeah. into cities or towns or whatever I mean but well, that was. But I think that when you do, when you actually do yeah. across something of that enormous, that, that has no connection to civilization, is what I mean. Yeah. Like you can go yeah, to yeah. mountain ranges, but you know you can drive. You're driving through a, you know, and you can be in contact with, yeah, things that feel actually attached. But when you actually go somewhere that feels genuinely wild, yeah, and enormous, it's quite. I think that we just. I think what I'm trying to get is we've evolved ourselves away from the presence mm-hmm. of those things, haven't mm-hmm. we? So it's like it almost like I feel like it sort of registers in some back background part of our psyches which is still there you know what i yep. mean but we haven't encountered it and so it's one it's, of the it biggest feels like reasons yeah there's a shock of dissonance isn't it You're a bit yeah. like, shock is definitely to, the right word for yeah, it yeah. you know because we we drove out there the whole point was like you know we, we went out there to drive our buddy neil who we'll talk about this more later when he's on you know had in, imported this uh suzuki jimny little four by four truck from japan mm. it's the tiniest little thing in the entire world and so we were, we, the whole point was to bring that out to Moab and I wanted to write a story about, you know, a bunch of dudes going and doing this silly thing in this ridiculous truck. Um, and so the, the whole thing was like, you know, we had to get from Denver to over Hurrah pass, which is the main mountain pass, uh, to get down to the campsite. And we had to do that before it got dark because you can't, I mean, getting back up there at night would be really sketchy. So we got out there, we got to Hurrah pass, it's sun setting. And we're like, all right, we still have, you know, whatever, a few miles to drive to the campsite all off-road. By the time we get to campsite, it's pitch black, and we, you know, we, we build camp, we make a fire, we put up our tent, all that stuff, eat some dinner, and go to bed, right? So we didn't, I, they had been there once before, but me and Henry and uh, our other companion, Jobin, didn't know, we had no clue where we were. We didn't know what it looked like. We had, it was just pitch black. We could only see kind of what was happening, uh stars and, and the ring of firelight you know so we we wake up the next morning and like you you, you know we were camping on top of a plateau which i had no idea overlooking the colorado river and this extremely expansive thing oh you it's know, so great sm- when you don't know where you're at at night and you wake yeah. up and you see yeah. where you are that was like yeah. getting out of the tent that's another experience it was you shocking have, you know what i mean exactly yeah, yeah it was just, absolutely yeah. shocking uh, where you know we all got out of the tent and we were just like it still ha- when you're out in the country. It what? still happens, even in like in places that are like semi populated, like out. Because like uh, I did this when I was going to uh, past guest uh, Daniel and Lauren Goins of Lowland Home. We went to their house and like we got there at nighttime. Yeah, and they're, it's out, in they're the, out in the country. They're out in the country. They're in Earlyville, Earliesville, um, that, the early town, yeah, uh, Virginia. And so we were 
kind of driving around and it's like you know you can't really tell what the landscape is like because yeah. you're just kind of driving through these like wooded wood line like you know tree lined streets and it's 9 p.m and it's winter time and i'm like it's pitch black outside yeah. so like you just see what's in front of your headlights and we get there and we're like oh the house is awesome and stuff and then we wake up the next morning we look around and we're like oh we're in the appalachian mountains right now like yeah. we're in a valley and there's mountains all around us and it's like crazy to, to like and i realized like i realized that we drove down you know, mm-hmm. a steep incline at night, but when you can only see twenty feet around you, you don't yeah. get the effect. Yeah, the like, spatial awareness kind of. Yeah, so that's, to go that away. is my favorite thing of like it's waking awesome. up somewhere where you didn't get to see it, mm-hmm. especially in yeah. a non-city area, because you can kind of tell a skyline because yeah. you can see all the lights in the windows yeah, yeah, and totally. stuff. But also, there's something, there's something like psychologically really incredibly healthy about that way of being or being in those positions. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's. it's it's like we organize our lives around certain amounts of sort of domestic comfort or safety now, don't yeah. we? You know, and that's just how everyone's brought up and it's yeah. just how it is. But it's interesting how that exists alongside, you know, like advice, you know, contemporary advice about healthy living or healthy mind living or yep. psychological living is about pushing yourself outside of your, you know, safety mm-hmm. zones, you know, yeah. in terms of growing as a person. So it always makes me wonder that we've sort of organized ourselves slightly antithetically to what we are actually supposed to be doing as people mm-hmm. maybe you know yeah. kind of there's this funny do you know what i'm getting at oh yeah, yeah. yeah there's this funny nexus that we've kind of learned to love this sort of safety and comfort which is in many respects obviously a good thing you know yeah but it's somehow there's an aspect to being a person which requires the opposite of that in order yeah. to grow and to experience what it is to be you know whatever like really yeah. fully alive or whatever because and you it's only when you go i think into those sort of environments do you start to realize that your mind there's like an, it's an entirely different sort of consciousness, isn't it? Yeah. You know, there's a writer called Rebecca Solnit. You ever come across her? She writes Solnit. a lot in the Guardian. Oh, she's, sounds... a novel, she's an essayist. Yeah. You, she, I think you've seen her something. Yeah, yeah I know that yeah. last name. Yeah, yeah, she's really amazing, and I would recommend all listeners to, to tune into some of Rebecca Solnit's stuff. But she has this amazing book of essays called A Field Guide to Getting Lost. Yeah. And, um, and if you're going to read anything from it, I'd even just like... I'm going to say that thing like Rebecca might not thank me, but just you know, sneak into Barnes and Noble, have a little look at the introductory essay before you buy. But like she talks about how that there's aspects of like mind or self that only are ever experienced when you're lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you don't have your cell phone with you, and like you know, your mind is a completely, you start to experience the world in a fundamentally totally different yeah. way, mm-hmm. and that contemporary life has been built around almost denying that part of ourselves yeah mm-hmm. and i increasingly feel like i remember reading that being like yeah dang <laughs> you know like, that's so true mm-hmm. but i feel like more and more and more in fact you know yeah. i feel now if i put my cell phone at home and i just go for a walk in a place i know without it being on me i feel like my mind is completely different yeah you know i feel like my way of ex- weird just like that even if i have it on me and it's off it's not the same yeah it's something it, and it's so if that's like a minor difference the enormity of somewhere like that desert well, you know, we, you're waking we, up parts of yourself or like the way of experiencing things that we just literally don't have the ability to yeah think, mostly mm. it was an exciting thing because you know we obviously didn't have cell phone service of any kind out there and the first day it made me really uncomfortable it was like it kind of shed a light i was like oh man i can't itchy i just kept i kept like fingers, checking yeah, for my yeah. phone and realizing i can't do anything mm-hmm. with this thing um and then but, but by the second day because you know i think what you're saying there is, is true Without, you know, your phone, basically, it's great because it allows you to connect with so many other things that you're not physically present for. And that's a, that can be a positive thing. But being without it uh, requires you to connect with what's directly in front of you and nothing else. You, you kind of just can't connect with either what's across the next ridge. There's no way to 
there's no way to connect with whatever that might yeah, be yeah, over totally, there. Yeah. You've got to just kind of be where you're at. And like, and that's a weird thing that, you know, I, Henry, uh, you know, as again, as you all know about me, I, I talk a lot and the whole way out there, you know, there were these stretches where like, I would just be saying, you know, we'd either be driving through the mountains, you know, in Vale or wherever, or we'd be driving through the desert. We'd be out in Moab and I would just be sitting there and, you know, no, everyone else would be quiet. And I would just be like, oh, this is incredible. Oh man, unbelievable! I mean, just no, like shut constantly up, constantly, just like yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. chirping out words, you know, and and finally, at some point, I was just like, you know, we all, everyone got really quiet. I think we it was that first morning, and I was like, I was like, honestly, I was like, guys, I'm tired of saying unbelievable and like whatever. And Henry was like, yeah, man, like sometimes just be quiet and like there's just nothing to say. And I was like, well, or or some or fair tip, yeah, fair tip, but also like there's something about the truth of that is that. The words cannot touch yeah. on the enormity of well, what that was. Yeah. I think language. that was his point. Yeah, I don't yeah, think he was yeah. saying, yo, shut up. I think he was saying... You're in the presence of something greater than... There's nothing to say. Yeah. So, like, just yeah. just be okay with there being nothing to say. Well, there is a language, but maybe it's like... You don't, it's not something that can be fully, like, captured yeah. in the present mm-hmm. moment. Because the present moment's bigger than it, right? Yeah. And it I'm, reminds me of, like... It was a weird story. Like, you know, I told you I did that, that walk in Spain, like, four yeah. years ago. El Camino. El Camino, yeah like a massive cliche off I went and walked the Camino but th- I did have a very weird in terms of like having a strange experience without being in contact with other people in a big mm. like there was I did have a phone on me but I'd run out of, it was run out of juice one day and this was January 2014 so it was before I moved to America and I did it in the winter months I was going to do the whole thing but I got really ill halfway across and had to go to the hospital and then went home so I finished it the year later but it was on that f- it was th- towards the end of it but I had so I had a cell phone on me, but it, it ran out of juice, so it was like couldn't be switched on. It was in my bag, and I was walking over what they call the Meseta, which is this huge flat plain that goes on for two hundred kilometers in the middle of like northern Spain, and um, it's completely See. flat, and there's like nothing to be seen. Like it's a plateau, mm-hmm. really high, and yeah. it was pretty and pretty weird. It's like a real headwalk at that point because it was just grey and wintry and wet. And there was no one else around. You'd see like a couple of people in the evening. I'd had about four days of it by that point, and I was feeling a bit peculiar. <laughs> you know, by that point, I was like, yeah. I was gonna. I got really ill about two days after this, but I wasn't feeling peculiar ill. But it was just like consciousness peculiar, mm-hmm. you know, like because it was just so relentless. There was no other. It was a huge. It was almost like, the, but without the variety of the sizes of the landscapes you're talking about. Yeah, it was just. There was the enormity of the plain, the flatness yeah. that went on forever, but oh, yeah. there was no flowers. It was just like this sort of bleak, sort of flat scrub, mm-hmm. you know. And you'd see the odd, tr- like, wintry tree, and sporadically you'd see a road in the distance, but it was just like nothing. And this, yeah. and it was like the you know the land became the sky, and it was huge, but also weirdly claustrophobic at mm-hmm. the same time. But I had this incredibly weird moment, which was in terms of like not having contact or ability to record or to return or reflect on it that was entirely about the present moment and my own consciousness where I remember like getting to the end of this stretch and I'd been walking for about 20 kilometers and suddenly it came to an end and there was this tiny little dip valley and there was this little village in this dip valley and I was at the top of this bit on the, looking down into it and I reached the edge and looked down and there was no one to be seen in this village it was like a, like a ghost town like in yeah. the western do you know what I mean there was just not a soul to be seen it was, and it was mid-afternoon I think so maybe they were all asleep you know if there was anyone there but it was just like desolate and it was like damp and grey and like this incredibly weird thing happened where I was standing on the edge I walked no I walked to the edge and looked down on it and then suddenly I heard some like weird music to the um, to the right of me 
So it was this little sort of dip in the Masetta where this little village was down, like a tiny little sort of dipped valley, not like a big valley, it just kind of dipped down and rose up on the other side. And to the right, like over the edge of this dip, I could hear like a music on the air, like this high whistling music. And it wasn't a wind because there was no wind, but it sounded like an old Victrola or something. I swear to fucking God, like it was really weird. And it was like on the air. I remember just being like, wow, what the fuck is that? And I tried to get my phone out to record it, but my phone, of course, had no juice. I remember just standing there and I just couldn't figure out what it was because it didn't sound like someone was playing something. It felt like high up. And then I walked down, I was like, and it was probably about a mile away on that edge, you know, kind of rose up. And I remember walking down into this little dip and it disappeared. And I was like, and then I walked back up and then it appeared again. And I stayed there for like 45 minutes, yeah. <laughs> like walking around. Then I'd go down and it would disappear and I'd walk back up. And it was like I could hear this song on the air. I swear to God, I, mean, I, was lo- I felt like I was losing my marbles. Maybe I was. Yeah. But, um, but, my, but And then I walked down and after a while I couldn't record it and I just stood there listening to it. And I remember having this thing, just like you were saying, of being like, I don't know, I don't have the means, my instinct is to try and record it yeah. or to get, but I had no means of doing it. And it felt almost like the fact that I couldn't was why it was there. That's what my imagination was saying. Yeah. Was that it was because I was so isolated and had no means of somehow referring to anything in myself, it felt a bit like this was why this was happening, you know. In yeah. some, and I know mm-hmm. that's just my own weird subjective imagination of it, but it was totally unique. I had no one to share it with, right? There was this yeah. like ghost town and this weird, like, old twink, twirly music floating over. You know, I thought maybe it could be a tractor playing, but it was so not anything modern or even sounded like a stereo. It was really fucking peculiar. And, um, and then I walked down into this village. I decided to leave it and as I walked away it just disappeared and I remember just feeling really tripped out and I was tired yeah. a bit dehydrated I'm sure any doctor listening will be like yeah you're having a <laughs> like a listening hallucination or whatever yeah. maybe I was you know and um, it wasn't freaky it was just extraordinarily strange but it was that sense of being the enormity of something encountering this huge yeah. gap of something that couldn't be I didn't have any way of somehow referring to it. do you know what I mean or yeah, like yeah. making it or hanging a hat on it a bit like your friend Henry being like shut the fuck up I felt like that yeah. myself to myself yeah. it was almost like the more I tried to think about it or figure it out the less useful it was yeah. then it became it felt like a sort of weirdly pure experience I think that's what I'm trying to get at you know that I didn't have not wanting to try and not having a means to describe it or to take it, to record it mm-hmm. or you know it just became this like oddly pure moment you know yeah. and then something really fucking weird happened I walked down into that village and it was completely desolate there was like empty stone streets and there was a little stone square and I went and sat in the square on this fountain that wasn't running and I drank some water and I sat there breathing feeling like I was tripping out and then this little old man walked up the street this tiny little old Spanish dude like hobbled up the street looked like 90 and I looked up and he hobbled up to midway along in the square and then he stopped dead still and then he turned to look at me <laughs> swear to god right and I just smiled and he just went like this he went bah! like that he made this like weird guttural like bah! like a little goblin and like scuttled off and I remember like freaking the fuck out that's weird as hell <laughs> and dude. I was like I was like I'm hearing a ghost song I've seen a Spanish <laughs> goblin <laughs> Time to get out, yeah, get out. But I, I like hid by this fountain for like half an hour because he'd walked, he'd yeah. scuttled off the direction I had to walk. And I remember mm. being like, I'm I'd seen some like Spanish mm. goblin. And I, eventually, I felt like I had plucked up the courage, but there was no one else around. It was completely dead. It was like, and I like, went up to that street and I looked ahead and I was like scouting for the goblin. You know, that sounds like a. Uh, and I ran you away. Turn this into a into a, a horror screen for it. Yeah. Horror screen. Well, I literally did run away. I ran away at that point. <laughs> And I went back, and that evening I got to this hostel. I met a few other people, and I was like, did you hear the weird song on the air? And they were like, no, dude. 
No. Mm. I was like, did it you was see? There. Did you, did you see, did the, see Spanish, the goblin? Did you see the Spanish goblin man? They were like, no. Yeah. I did. It's a bit like the Ghost Boy, right? You know, it's yeah, the same thing. Right. It was just that weird sense I of being a bit like the Ghost Boy. I was Man. like, I have no way of. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like you know, encountering the enormity or whatever your own oddnesses of like po- po- possibilities yeah. of mind body, you know, in these sort of spaces. I think that's what Rebecca Solnit's getting at. Is that only when you don't have these means of connection, you're yeah. open to stuff going on in yourself or yeah. otherwise. However you want to look at it, you know, whether you want to put a label it on or not. Yeah. You know, they only, those things only exist in those times when you don't have those abilities. I, that feels oddly true to me, and that's why I remembered that story. Yeah. I think it's your magical Welsh heritage, too. I think it is, man. I yeah. think, actually, you know, in terms of portals, you know, if there's any ever a time in my life where I felt like I'd come across a fucking portal, it was when I was standing on the edge of that weird little place on the Masetta. Oh, um, yeah. And I heard that weird thing on the air. I swear to God, it was peculiar. And they're like, all these other people are like, there wasn't a town there. <laughs> that would have been the weird. There was no town. No, that would have been the weirdest the town, thing if you got there. It's like, what? no, but I no, but it's funny you should say yeah. that because I was like, have I imagined the town? I remember thinking yeah. that. Yeah, and they were like, you know, that town, and they were like, yeah, the, the, you mean the little village and the dip, and other people were like, you mean with that fountain in the square? And I was like, yeah. okay, I was like, oh, phew. okay, <laughs> <laughs> but no goblin, yeah. but no goblin. They didn't see a little little goblin man. It was a bit like that bit in Lord of the Rings when you know Bilbo sees the ring for the first time, and uh-huh. suddenly he goes <laughs> like that. Uh, it was yeah. a bit like that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> True story. True story, man. man. That is that's pretty insane. That's a this like kind of thing is like why I desperately want to sail across the Atlantic Ocean because like I want multiple days to be out there in like the you know like I I feel like there's a lot of spatial disorientation. uh, Well, people lose their marbles in the thing out there because it's like fully disconnected. Yeah, like but I mean like I don't think that it would like I I would be I don't I don't know like I I don't think that. Like obviously, I could go crazy out there, but like, I just am like really interested in that idea of just like really being out there. It's almost like being in space or something, but a little safer than you know, like not as. Uh, but you know, <laughs> land is easier to get to. Like you just keep floating this way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just like something that I'm really. What, I mean, fascinated. Th- no, by. it is because it's like the extremity of self, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. people really do. Like there's a famous sailor who like did a world round sail, and I think I forget his name now, but we'll seek it out for the next episode potentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as a story, but he famously completely lost his marbles. I mean, I think well, there's I think something about it's about the enormity of nature. It's the same thing. There's there's a through things. line in like crazy desert people. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. People that live out in the desert are you know they got they're a little fruitier than your average person. I think yeah. there's a pretty good reason for that. And it raises really interesting questions about, I think, again, that writer Solnit talks about it a bit, Rebecca Solnit, but it's that thing about that there's aspects of ourselves that are, so it's about some, you know, things wake up yeah. that, ha- that aren't used anymore and like the way that our minds are organized now don't know how to take it. doesn't mean that we can't take it or can't yeah. learn how to take that stuff in theory, yeah. you know, but we're just not, we've evolved away from it. So it's like making space for whatever that is, is obviously pretty challenging, but yeah. Are you talking about Donald Charles Alfred Crowhurst? I think I am talking about Crowhurst. They made some movies yep. about him, I think. Yeah. He's uh, a British guy, right? Evidence found after his disappearance suggests that his attempt ended in mental breakdown, possible insanity, and suicide. Out on uh, the sea. He, let's Colin see. Firth played him in a movie, I think. Uh, instead, he... Oh, so he basically did this round-the-world yacht race. Uh, in... In an attempt to appear complete circumnavigation without actually circling the world, he abandoned the race while reporting false positions. Yeah, so he was just kind of out there in the middle of, the, you know, in the in the uh, in the water. 
You can read uh, Wikipedia about that, listeners. Sorry for just trailing off. On that. <laughs> well, that when was we, when we got to that, we went from the portal of Avalon, yeah. of the Toyota Avalon. Yeah. All the way back around. The I wild, bet you could probably circumnavigate of, the, of, the globe in the Toyota Nashville Avalon. To the desert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like those float. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever. The Why suspension's not? made out of, like, you know, inflatable, uh, inflatable rafts anyways. Um, but with that being said... I think we should save the rest of our Utah. I feel like we'll we'll be on this tip again next week or maybe oh, yeah. the week after when we get a little bit more into all that stuff. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. This week, what do we, what do we, what do we got going on? We got anything going on? Just guess, just waiting on the yeah the future episodes. You can find us at Firescape Pod on all the social media. Send us an email, firescapepod at gmail dot com. If you have any thoughts on getting lost, if you read that Rebecca Solnit book and want to tell us about it, um, shoot us an email, firescapepod at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find me on social media at Coulter Levi. You can find Peter. Oh, yeah. You can find me on the Instagram, buttermilk underscore Pete. You can, uh, you can read some articles that oh, Pete yeah. is writing for Gear Patrol now. Yeah, I, I did a thing. Cars up? desk. I, yeah, I'm going to be writing for Gear Patrol, and uh, which if you're not aware of it, it's pretty rad. Uh, men's lifestyle stuff. I'll be writing about cars and motorcycles. I'm very, very excited to be a part of it. Uh, so yeah, check it out if you're into any of that stuff outdoors. Cars, motorcycles, watches, you know. They've uh, got other good... Uh, all kinds of stuff. They've got other good uh, articles on... All, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. whiskey. Yeah. On home stereos. Just anything, yeah. anything you could be into. They've all probably written about stuff. it. Howell John is <laughs> just, you know, we're chilling here in Carroll Gardens. Find him. Find him on the streets. Mm-hmm. Shoot some dice with him. Roll some dice with me at the corner of Smith and Burger. Sounds yeah. good. All right. Bye. 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 Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, or a pumpkin ice coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'.